namaskara welcome to the breaking point i am your host nalme natchia today on the show we have a prolific writer and orator whose work has been instrumental in communicating medical science health and food science to people a familiar face on news and wellness channels you may have seen him educating us on uh, organic farming sustainable food food policy and environment while also holding forth on issues of socio economic political and cultural importance that face the country and the world at large my guest for today is renowned food and nutrition expert analyst columnist and the founder of pristine organics dr kc raghu hello sir welcome to the show hi ilme so we've heard you speak at length about food food systems diet and how this current generation approaches food but if we are to isolate a particular meal and for the purpose of this show which is breakfast how would you trace the story of breakfast in the indian cultural and nutritional context yeah uh normally you know they say that uh, if you can connect uh, food to nutrition and nutrition to health uh the, the nothing like that so normally there is a there is a dichotomy uh, between uh, food nutrition health and uh, cooking and the art of cooking and then backward to uh, backward integration to to agriculture uh, of course uh, uh, you know this uh, old uh, saying that the well begun Uh, is half done so you, you start your day uh, with a good breakfast uh, uh, you know of course this whole statement you would be knowing that eat breakfast like a king you know dinner like a pauper or something yeah. like that yeah. so this is there as a part of culture but if you just look at uh, the kind of culinary diversity in india as far as breakfast is concerned it is so myriad and so regional provincial it differs from uh, uh, region to region though there is now what they call as a menu homogenization happening or hmm. uh, uh, what uh, in sociological terms they call it as mcdonaldization of food culture yeah. uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah. otherwise you see a diverse breakfast culture you cannot homogenize a breakfast culture for a state also within the state if you take karnataka what normally they say there is a ragi belt there is a jowar belt and then there is a rice belt the cereal cereal base differs and so does its breakfast culture okay because we are such a diverse country like you said uh, a lot of what we eat a lot of the staple grains that we eat also differs according to region but at the end of the day a lot of food either end up being in the rice category or the wheat category and of late there have also been um, the sort of tussle between uh, traditional food and modern foods it modern can be like processed foods or our increased uh, reliance on wheat and uh, rice and you know uh, traditional foods in terms of traditional grains that are making a comeback but even there a lot of people um, are apprehensive about how to integrate it into their um, diet so you know how do you make sense of that or what would what would be your um, outlook towards that yeah yeah see what happens india is still not uh, you know a completely meatified country in the sense you know they say that most of the food cultures there exist what they call as meatification and meatification 
Okay. You know, consuming about you know 120 kg of meat, milk, and large quantity of protein and fat sources. So the animal husbandry is becoming a bigger uh, part of the agriculture than cereal economy. But India continues to be a cereal economy. Largely, if you take 290 million tons of uh, food grains that we grow, 200 million tons today it's almost 220 million tons is just rice and wheat. And if you, you, you see the as for the national sample survey data, if you go by, you know, every 10%, as you go up in the economic uh, uh, hierarchy, you see the, the, the bottom of the pyramid, they largely consume their energy from cereals. Hmm. Uh, you see, it's just the rice and wheat. That too, polished rice and wheat. Even our food security program is confined itself to just uh, polished rice or wheat. So that food security is certainly not a nutrition security. So I keep saying that, you know, uh, it is a kind of a, India is largely a cereal country and it also unfortunately happens to be what we can term it as a cereal killer. Uh, you know, a wrong word to use, but I'm saying, you know, we get too much energy from carbs. Hmm. The, all, you know, see the bottom of the pyramid get about 70 to 80% of their energy from cereals. Whether whether it is a breakfast or lunch or dinner, but it ha what happens to be the standing diet is a cereal-based diet. Mm -hmm. So that is one of the problem. Of course, we have about 290 million tons of uh, uh, of uh, um, you know milk and it's, it's growing quite well now. Uh, but our meat consumption is just about eight kilo per capita per annum. Very low protein sources. And pulses also, you see our pulses, we grow about 24 million tons, which is very, very less compared to our cereals. Pulses are poor man's protein. Uh, so, so all, what we grow reflects in our table. See, see, because we grow large quantities of cereals, because the government is also interested in giving cereals as food security, it lands up in our plate and, uh, and that we, we consume large quantity of energy from this single group. Mm -hmm. So from cereals, pulses, oil seeds, milk and meat products, uh, you know, fish, so yeah, for all the different groups, fruits and vegetables and roots. So these are large food groups. So we don't seem to be consuming food from each of these groups. So cereal definitely dominates, as you rightly observed. So that is the biggest way. And, and breakfast happened to be cereal dominated. Uh, of course, see, if you make, make idli, for example, there are a number of ways you can make, uh, make idli. There are these Kanchipuram idlis with a very high quantity of pulses. Uh, there are Adai there are in Tamil Nadu with uh, large quantities of multiple pulses. It's largely pulse-based, uh, the Adai, uh, you know, dosa. So there are varieties, but, but even all said and done, that, uh, that uh, all the, if you take South Indian breakfast, or the, the Kerala parotas and all that, is largely maida and cereal-based. That is one of the problems. Because if you see the food has, you can see the impact of food in, in morbidity, disease prevalence, life expectancy. See, India, still we are 68 uh, years is our life expectancy against the world average of 72 years. So, so, so it is reflecting in human health, no doubt about it. 
So we, we always say, yes, we are culturally very diverse and all that. But then what happens? The diversity should not be, say, they say if you go to a bakery, you see large diversity. You see pops, you keep cakes, you keep, you see buns, rusk and everything. But fundamentally, it's made out of two or three ingredients. Yeah. So it's, it's maida, dalda and sugar. So that, that it is a manifested diversity. But there is no inherent diversity. Today, you were saying 80% of the global food just is, is confined to five grains. You see, so 4,800 million tons of food grain we grow, and much of it is just rice, wheat, corn, potato, sugar cane, soybean. That's it. So that is why they say there is depth of diversity in our food system. Okay. And in food, we always say, see, whenever there is diversity, you don't have to worry about nutrition. Actually, if you see the all traditional food and even traditional agriculture, see, they say what is balanced at the farm level is also balanced at the table level. For example, pulses and, and uh, cereals. One complements the other at the soil level because pulses fix the nitrogen from the sky and give nitrogen to uh, cereals, whether it is a roti dal or the rice and sambar. So one is a protein fat source, the other one is a cereal source. They complement each other, just like as they do at the soil level, so, so do they do for our, our nutrition requirement at our plate. So slowly, as you rightly mentioned, there are some forgotten foods coming back to our table, but it is very, very you know few and far between. It has not become a mainstream. If we say millets are coming back, but uh, the total millet that we grow is about 40 million ton, but out of it, it is largely corn, which goes to feed for poultry and, uh, and uh, uh, cattle and biggery. Uh, so, but if you take the minor, ragi is there. Uh, jawar, ragi, jawar, and uh, pearl millet, uh, you see to some extent. So these three exist uh, almost, uh, you know, uh, uh, in line with, with uh, not exactly, but almost at least one third of uh, rice and wheat. Uh, but there are minor millets. There are many such, you know, um, uh, the grains, wheat itself, we talk about uh, uh, 5,000 varieties of wheat. And we don't have them. In rice, Dr. Richaria, the famous geneticist always used to say, if you have to eat all the varieties of rice, you have to live for 350 years, changing a grain a variety for every meal. Okay. That is a kind of diversity of rice. India. See, in, in Assam, there is a rice variety called Koval Chawal, which doesn't need cooking. You just have to you just have to soak it in water for 15 minutes, ready to eat. Of course, when it comes to breakfast, probably the oldest processed food is uh, beaten rice. Yeah. You know, you, you, you hear the beaten rice story, the Kuchela taking this to Krishna, you know. Mm. But also it is true that they say food, if you want to take care of food, you need to look backward in order to see forward. Yeah. You see, because you see, food is, has, is, is something culturally evolved. It is, not, uh, it is not something you can always invent. You can do modification, you can do fusion food, you can do all that kind of thing, but, but fundamentally, it is a highly evolved, traditionally transmitted culture. Uh, but of course, today what is happening is, we know that traditionally it's very strong and all that, but unfortunately, Indians also believe, there is what we can call it as a food racism. 
you know we are we are so much wedded to white supremacy a uh, lot of people don't like raki lot of people don't like white uh, uh, they always like white idli in tamil nadu they say like mallipu you know they like jasmine flower so white and pure and all so this white and pure um, are interconnected and we have uh, bias extreme bias towards the white supremacy uh, the uh, fair and lovely has been changed now name has been changed <laughs> to blue and lovely but i don't know <laughs> how far you know, it will uh, impact our food culture whether we can change our uh, our uh, uh, bias and prejudices uh, which is extremely pro white uh, which is totally wrong so that is why you know this food nutrition issue we cannot confine only to food or say or nutrition it is lot of socio cultural cultural and psych deep psychological outlook mm. how we see food how we see colors mm. uh, what is our perception of these foods so so these perceived values are far more important sometimes you know than nutrition see it's very easy to say you eat black rice and red rice and unpolished rice but are you prepared mm. are you psychologically prepared are you ready to accept mm. Mm. so these are some of the things but of course coming back to breakfast i would say that uh, that most of these fermented foods the breakfast that we have uh, are all very healthy because fermentation also leads to production of many vitamins minerals and all that and even a simple porridge you know whether it is a whether it is a parboiled rice porridge out of parboiled rice and uh, fish curry with that uh, or or you know the, the the tapioca kind of uh, breakfast that that the kerala makes uh, mm. so the, all of them if you see they are nutritionally very sound no no doubt about it. there is a culture there is a culture see there is also this aspect that when you eat a breakfast or any meal whether you are getting all the six rasas you know in, in ayurveda they say shad rasa what is shad rasa You, you should not only get nutrition that is whether it's a good amount of energy from carbohydrate fat and protein also micronutrients like vitamins minerals certainly good amount of fiber which is very much lacking these days normally we talk about 40 g of fiber but today people are saying even if you get 100 g of dietary fiber which is not a removed fiber which is a embedded fiber embodied fiber which is very very healthy but the rasa theory is that when you, whatever you eat you should you should enjoy it so this enjoyment is a, is a double edged sword you can also get addicted to sugar and enjoy sugar yeah just like drugs mm. but if you get all the shadrasas you know the shadra the, the old the western science talks about four uh, tastes uh, which they say is totally wrong because the, the very man who mentioned about this he didn't mean that there are four parts in the tongue and uh, each part uh, deciphers taste differently that's wrong mm. whereas this shat rasas whether it is uh, you know the ravaru and the kuli and all those you know the lavana and all kinds of see all the six of them when you when you get all the six rasas you get sense of satisfaction mm. you feel fulfilled okay. you feel the sense of satiety comes in that is the beauty of how along with the nutrition the rasa doesn't enable you or doesn't prompt you to seek again and again or to eat something more something more to undo the the dominant taste of the other 
yeah. You know, there's like you said, there is also this taste that we have for um, white rice. You know, yeah. like we enjoy that. We are so attached to that taste of tasting because you know when you were talking about um, that white supremacy in taste of food. um we have an affinity towards white rice because we think it tastes good i think i don't know if it's if it's some because you say what is most predominantly available in our table ends up becoming a part of our diet so i don't know if it's that and you know years of having eaten it has led to it but um a lot of people don't end up giving up rice because of that because it tastes better because it's also easier to make and you know how to prepare a host of our food using that particular ingredient now to break that what do you think should be done you know at a uh, maybe a policy level a governmental level or mm. even at a personal no, level see, how do we start yeah yeah see taste is a cultivated habit mm. you can see you know i remember reading uh uh adur gopal krishna saying uh you know we are training and teaching our taste for junk food like junk art Our junk movie, our junk literature. So we can broaden our taste spectrum. Do you know? Now that I am reading a book now called Smellosophy by Harvard University. It is a the philosophy. It is smellosophy. Okay. <laughs> you know, the smell, the flavors that you can enjoy. Our nose can smell one trillion flavors. as a child you introduce and initiate a child to a broad spectrum of taste flavors varieties textures and the, the sight the visual sight of food which is a feast once you once you cultivate that kind of a habit you are, let's say your edible world is of over a large horizon if you can your edible world is as large as the or the, the cultivable land or the uncultivable land or the they say when you eat fish you should remember the ocean you see so that is a kind of a the broad aspect that food has see one thing white rice there are a lot of misconception in the media and popular food writers have also brought in lot of misconception that nothing we don't have to go for a unpolished rice or a brown rice or a red rice it takes so long to cook in the pressure cooker it may also do harm to your digestion all that kind of general myth has been created and as a to say that nothing wrong with the white rice i can tell you one thing see whatever you eat should be in line with your rate of metabolism your body has got 5 liters of blood it can hold only 5 g of sugar Okay. If you eat a breakfast with high cereals, it will flood your blood with glucose within one hour with about hundred gram of sugar, and the body has to insulin has to come up and convert that excess sugar into fat. That is why they always say that a refined carbohydrate, a few second in the mouth, few minute in the stomach, and permanently in the butter. <laughs> so that that is how. Lot of obese people are obese not because they eat fat, but because they eat refined carbohydrate. Mm. Mm. Because the carbohydrate has our all mammals have no capacity to store sugar. Why? Anthropologically, they say you have been a hunter gatherer. Prior to that, you have been a primate eating fruits and berries, mm. and your body has learned genetically through genetic memory. 
not to store sugar hmm. what is easily available and accessible the genes have learned not to store that's the evolution okay but today it is abundantly available but you cannot change your genes overnight agriculture itself is very recent to human genes hmm. Hmm. see we talk about 6 7 you know lakh years of our primate of our homo homoid ancestry the homonyms and homoid ancestry agriculture is just 10 to 12000 years old hmm. and cereal culture is very very recent so as a child if you can introduce a child to myriad variety that the the, the, the bounty that the earth has hmm. Hmm. that is why my you know the great uh, nutritionist of this country dr gopalan who was a former director of icmr always used to tell us that never look at food from only nutritive value look at it from health value hmm. health is a broader broader perspective broader paradigm than a narrow nutritive value okay. because the nutritive value is just confined to five component carbohydrate fat vitamins minerals and protein that's it But again, you know, see, David Kessler, the former director of FDA, a great writer, and he has written a book recently. He published one, slow carb and fast carb, slow carb uh, and fast carbs. Very good book. The bane of humanity today, our Indian Indian and the global eating habit is fast carb, quick absorbing fast carb without fiber, hmm. and they flood your blood. and they are a mismatch to your basic genetic metabolic rate okay hmm hmm so so that is the whole thing and any food i can tell you if if you have to get acclimatized to any food minimum one month you must use that food in a slow fashion so that you get acclimatized acclimatized to those foods all this whole diabetes issue if you just switch over to to slow carb food you're there but we are not ready to do that so i i strongly feel that that uh, taste again as i said you know you can you can enjoy you should enjoy the food i'm not saying you should not enjoy but are you enjoying the right food your your enjoyment is not just uh, uh, temporary and temporal and uh, addictive enjoyment people also enjoy drugs that is not enjoyment yeah but again you know epicurus the great uh, um um we call it as hedonist he was not a hedonist but a great philosopher just like plato aristotle and socrates or epicure always said a poor man will never become a glutton because he knows how to enjoy food why do you overeat because you are eaten something easily absorbing or you have deprived yourself of some taste all your food is uh, is lacking dietary fiber so you don't see a fullness mm. so you worry you reeat mm. continuously eat mm-hmm. you know in in zen they say uh, what is enlightenment a zen guru says the enlightenment is all about eating really when you are hungry drinking when you are thirsty sleeping when you are tired hmm. to make it about uh the relationship of food with ourselves you know instead of uh, the larger picture of what is being propagated or look at food yes. or any kind of any relationship in terms of our uh, body our health is what you mean 
Yes. See, they say we eat, we eat. There is this what you call as, a, 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 you know, brainwashing. They say today it is brainwashing. <laughs> like brainwashed, you are brainwashed. <laughs> you know, you, you see, it's all a, how can you create a narrative? You know, and if a narrative has been created uh, based on what people grow and market and things like that, so the whole world follows. So human brain is also can easily be manipulated. As somebody said that none of my likes and dislikes are my own. Yeah. They've all been taught and trained. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think uh, um, this whole uh, quinoa becoming a superfood, uh, you know, in in yeah, like it, it was like a trending food for a for the longest time? Do you think that is a part of this whole uh, branding and marketing of a food? Yeah, right. See, quinoa, quinoa has always been a traditional staple of the Aztecs and Mayas. And they started feeling very low eating quinoa, like the like the ragi eating people of South India. <laughs> you see, see, you always hate the food that nourished you during your hunger. There is psychological association. So, so quinoa is an amazing grain because that's the only cereal, what we call as a pseudo cereal, mm. which doesn't need pulses to make a complete food with protein complement because. That has got 16% protein. Normally, cereals are less than 10. But quinoa is just equal to Indian Amaranth, Rajgir. Yeah. Almost 16% protein. Mm -hmm. So, but we don't respect Rajgir, Amaranth uh, as we pay or as we respect quinoa because quinoa has been projected now as a superfood. I had, but it is actually a discovery of an ancient food. See, that way, there is a grain called teff in Ethiopia. Teff is, is the highest iron-containing iron -containing cereal from Ethiopia. Hmm. Like, highest calcium-containing grain is ragi in the world. About 400 mg of calcium-containing cereal. So, these are some of the unique signatures of these cereals. Mm -hmm. So, of course, you know, nothing wrong with that, but see, you always say, see, FAO says this, that what is food and nutrition security? It says very clearly, meeting your dietary requirement in line with your cultural preference, that is food and nutrition security. Because see, food has a memory. You know, the Marcel Proust, uh, the very famous novel, Remembrance of the Things Past. Mm. It's all about at the age of 35 or something like that, he got to eat a madeleine dipping in a tea and his entire childhood, the memory, gushes forth and he writes a voluminous novel, probably the biggest novel in the world. So, so, so brief food is deeply connected to memory. Certain food smell simply takes me to my childhood Mm. And me sitting with my mother and my mother cooking, or my grandmother cooking. Mm. Mm. So it is a, it is a kind of a passport to your hidden memory. Just like quinoa, we have got uh, chia seed. Chia seed is again an oil seed, very rich in omega three fatty acid. Just like chia seed, we have our basil seed. Yeah. But we don't regard basil seed, which is our you know uh, our own Indian uh, basil. Uh, with the same regard and respect that is really given to, to, to Chia Sea, because Chia comes from South America. So this is kind of, you know, associated uh, uh, value, you know. 
Now, I if there is something like that, then what is a a wholesome and since you said it's not nutrition, it's about health. So let's say a wholesome, healthy breakfast dish. You know, in our repertoire of Indian food and dishes, in your mind, is there something that meets that requirement, or all our foods uh, prepared in such a way that everything is actually good for us? No, it is not good as of now because simply because if you are, so let's say you are dosa, hmm. you 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 eat dosa with let's say some uh, chutney or uh, or uh, some uh, you know uh, sambar uh, in 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 the South Indian context. How can it be a complete meal? At least to to that extent, you know uh, whether it gives you the right kind of a ratio of energy from carb, protein, and fat with accompaniment of fiber and vitamins and minerals. That's it. That's a complete meal. Okay. So. You, 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 but if you are, your dosa is a complete food, a very you know what you call nutritionally sound, provided your rice is is not polished. See, normally rice is polished with twelve extractions. Twelve extraction is you remove entire nutrition. Hmm. In fact, one of the rice miller told me, in order to remove all the you know the the brown particle in the adhering uh, grain, adhering to the grain. He said, "I spent five hundred rupees extra for electricity to polish the rice." Now you can you can take it this way. He spends five hundred rupees for electricity, and we don't spend the energy, so we put on weight. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's ultimately calorie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so your dosa, if it is made from variety of rice. If it is made from one white sonamasuri day in and day out, it cannot have any nutrition. Mm. It is simple starch. What you use for the cloth? Yeah. It is simple starch. Mm. It's not nutritious at all. Mm. But the same dosa made with different varieties of rice. Mm. We can see. We can all even sometimes at home we cook rice with five varieties of rice. It is so colorful. So you can make it, you know, the same rice. You can. It's not that the rice is bad. See, most of Indians have a wrong notion. For us, for us, what is junk food? You ask any kid, they say, particularly from the rural background, they say pizza burger. But I keep saying, Italians who eat pizza, they live eighty-five years. So, so if not that, you know, our own tradition is the best in the world. Our tradition and culture is best, provided you. You never come from this uh, this white supremacy. Hmm. Another biggest bane in Indian culture is roti and aloo curry combination. See, roti and aloo both are carbs, simple carbs. In Europe, Europe carb carb source is potato. Hmm. Then they have meat, fish, and all that. Hmm. Whereas in India, if you make aloo curry and rice, or roti and aloo curry, two carbs come together. They are not complementary. So that's the problem. so so uh, it is it is see any traditional food you can you, any traditional food you can make it a junk food mm. uh, our, our our typically see we say south indian meal is a mountain of rice and river of samba uh, uh, but you know it depends on how much of polish you have in the samba how much of what whether your rice is polished or unpolished you know the other beauty is if you let's say you make something with the, let's say you make uh, Uh, some rice dish uh, for the breakfast with the black rice or a brown rice mm. you can't eat more because it has got fiber it's very filling yeah. mm, mm, mm. 
So that is why they say the food should control you. You don't have to control food. You don't have to control your palate, and you know you don't have to control your desire. What you eat should control you. But food can really satiate you, fulfill you, and give you the best of the nutrition, uh, provided it is wholesome. Provided it is wholesome. Okay. Okay. Um, yes. Since we are talking about breakfast, what is your yes. favorite breakfast to eat? And yeah. is there any food memory associated? Because you also spoke about food memory. Uh, is there any yeah. food memory that you have associated with that particular food, or maybe food in general? So, of course, food uh, in, as a memory, I always loved my mother making neer dosa. So, and I still enjoy. And uh, my, my memory goes, and my mind goes back. So, uh, you know, we, we live in the past for a for at least a while. So that always happens. Uh, but of course, I try to cultivate uh, uh, as much diversity as I was telling you. So I enjoy a simple porridge in the morning okay. made of millets. Yeah. I new uh, millets are also highly alkaline, hmm. and uh, I really see sometimes you no. Know, uh, you see, there are people uh, just like wine tasters and coffee tasters. There are water tasters. <laughs> When I read that, I was shocked. Is there people to taste water? See, somebody who can. Taste water and tell you the subtle difference between waters. That is a great discrimination, <laughs> you know. So I enjoy, uh, uh, you know, a blended porridge made out of these, uh, you know, blended millets. Mm. And uh, and uh, once in a way, at least three times in a week, I enjoy this simple porridge. And it is very, very, you know, that simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. They say. you know so i, I do enjoy yes okay all right okay sir thank you so much yeah. for being on the show thank you um yeah. i hope uh, a lot of our listeners have found out uh, you know the kind of food diversity that at least they need to explore so yes and we have left uh, i think uh, good food for thought <laughs> i feel so uh, let's explore a little more huh let us not be what you call confine ourselves to the narrow confines of our so called narrow cultures to you know zillion regions to explore yeah very rightly said thank you sir thank you so much thank you thank you, thank you. that was food expert and nutritionist dr kc raghu if you enjoyed this episode please follow the breaking point podcast for more such conversations You can listen to the show on the Hubhopper app and website, Google Podcast, Spotify and other major podcast streaming platforms. You can follow me on social media and Nalme Yolume on Instagram, Nalme_Nach on Twitter and Nalme_Nachyar on Facebook. That's it for this episode. I'll see you next Monday. This is the breaking point. I'm your host Nalme_Nachyar. Food, stories, people all in a pod.